What's up, everybody? So welcome back to another episode of the Swift Podcast. Today, I bring a good friend of mine. So I was a guest of the Entrepreneur Web with Jeremiah Fox. Jeremiah, the myth, the legend, um, business owner of like 18 million restaurants in New York City. Um, <laughs> very, very humble man. Uh, a lot of judo, a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, father, role model, good friend, and a very great human being. Um, Jeremiah, thank you for coming on to the show. How are you today, brother? My pleasure, man. I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, it's been a, a making for us to try to get you on between your schedule and my schedule. Um, yeah. But I'm glad you made the time today, and I appreciate you making the time today. And we're going to get right to it. So when I came on to your first episode, it was during the pandemic, and we talked about a lot of stuff. So I think we had a conversation about Ramadan and working out and so forth. But I want to talk to you about how it feels to be a a man of five restaurants in New York City during a pandemic. Um, but before we get into that, tell us about yourself. Give the viewers of who Jeremiah is and what, what you're about. Give me your story. Okay, I'm not sure if you can hear me. I can hear you. We're good. There you go. You back? Mm-hmm. Did, I, did yeah. you lose me? You just edit. Yeah, just for a second. You just edit that part out. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, yeah, so uh, backstory, uh, you know, originally from Nashville, moved around uh, the East Coast a lot uh, as a young person, landed in New York, uh, in Brooklyn uh, about 16 years ago, and just like, was like, this is the spot. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was a very interesting time. I, I, I grew up under um, and came up under a number of like, uh, just like hustling dudes, like my grandfather, uh, several family members uh, own their own business. Um, and I worked for them and, and some other people, you know, that became mentors to me when I was young. Uh, I was always fascinated with this idea of just like being my own boss. I really love that. I was, I was just like disgusted by the idea of a nine to five. So I did everything in my power uh, to derail that, like even to my own detriment at times, <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> um, awesome. I, I dropped out of two high schools, just like refused uh, like the educational process, but somehow ended up with a master's degree in music performance of all things. Um, wow. And yeah, I'm a lifelong musician, um, my mother is as well. So I went down the freelance musician route, again, wanting to be my own boss, wanted to create my own schedule. I've always been fascinated with like the nighttime, not the day life, not the, uh, the, the daytime kind of uh, grind. So I did that for a long time. And of course, you know, that's a, that's a tricky business, freelancing. Um, you know, that's why most musicians are very good bartenders or, you know, servers or cooks, because you got to do something to eat. And uh, I, I ended up in the restaurant industry as well, and kind of just like went back and forth between the two, ended up learning a ton about uh, food and beverage, wine, spirits, uh, and it just kind of mushroomed. And most of, my, uh, most of my efforts once I moved to New York City was put into the food industry. I still did plenty of music and still continue to today. But at yeah. that point, I was kind of like, I was, I was 29, 30 years old, I'd kind of done that for 10 years and, and I was, you know, the allure had kind of dissipated. Once you actually get inside and see what you yeah. have to do to make money, you're like, oh my God, this is kind of disgusting and gross now <laughs> I signed up for. Um, so I continued to do my own stuff on the side, um, but it, it didn't, it was no longer my main source of income. 
uh, and restaurants and the food, just the food and beverage industry in general. I did um, tons of retail uh, as well as, as full service. So uh, working in wine and uh, like boutique wine and uh, spirits shops, I still do. My business partner has one uh, right up the street from us and I spend, you know, I'm there every day and, and do a lot of support stuff for that business. Um, I'm not on the, like the floor selling so much, but, but uh, I did that for years. Um, and involved in food retail as well. I'm the chairman of the board of the Windsor Terrace Food Co-op, which is a community owned grocery store, basically. Um, it's small, but uh, we, we handpick all of our, all of the things that we sell, we're investors in it. Uh, we get a price break. It's not for profit. You can't, you can't legally in New York state uh, file as a nonprofit grocery store, but we're a, non, a not for profit operation. So all, all the money gets reinvested back into the business to keep the prices down. Most of the labor is voluntary. Uh, it's a really interesting business format. And that was, you know, I just wanted to really get inside of all the different uh, inner workings and mechanisms of business that became an infatuation at some point. And that's where I find myself today, just like working, you know, like you said, I've had numerous uh, full service and, and partial service uh, restaurants and cafes throughout New York City um, and, and also retail. And then I've also been a, a fitness and martial arts instructor for several years as well. Wow. Just to um, round it out. That's just, wow. and that's just, we didn't even talk about like podcasts and social no. media. <laughs> we, we didn't even, yeah. So we didn't even get to the entrepreneur web podcast. We didn't get to your, so like, wow. Like yeah. if, if that isn't what coming out of your mouth for those listening right now, I don't know what is. Um, do you find yourself being pulled in multiple directions? I feel like this would be a good transition to like work-life balance, right? Like you're yeah. doing a lot, man. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know half this stuff until today. Yeah. So, how do you manage? How do you, how do you not get wound up in the, the stress of all of those things? You know, I've always just been the kind of person. I mean, I think it's a certain personality type that enjoys that. Um, and I've done things in my life that, that lent itself to that kind of training. So um, in music, I was a drummer. I was a, a drum set player. And they're notorious for being able to, and a lot of what I study was having all four limbs going in different directions, studying these like Latin and African beats where you're just every limb is doing something completely different and just being centered in that and being able to not be kind of shaken and find like your groove. Uh, restaurants, man, they teach you that big time, especially kitchens, yeah. you got like fire and knives and shop objects and like, uh, you know, <laughs> crazy personalities. I mean, ex-cons and everything. And you just learn how to like navigate those waters pretty well. Uh, so a lot of that training and then also the martial arts that I particularly am fond of like jujitsu, judo and, um, and Muay Thai, capoeira, uh, same thing, you know, you're always, you're, you're just under this pressure, but there's never an end. You're just constantly like spiraling and answering the question and it's about survival. Um, so all of those things contributed, but I, I definitely think it comes down to certain personality types where some people just are not cut out for this, uh, the same way you know some people are introverted versus extroverted you know that's just like the dna i was given and once i realized that and really got to know who i was and was comfortable like not being apologetic for it anymore i just went hard on it then things really started to open up for me that's amazing um so i i don't know where to start man there's so much we can open up with you with like wow there are. um so that, uh, so I guess in the grand scheme of things, when you look at it in the, the first lesson, he just told you the man is the ultimate definition of hard work. Um, puts a lot of value. Yeah, I like to work juggling, hard. Right. And I think that's, that's amazing. Right. I think that's what one of the biggest things happened. So let, we, we were initially talking about like, you know, 
then the pandemic happened. So now our mm -hmm. businesses aren't really operating well. So how'd that transition occur for you and how much did it impact you? You know, it impacted me in a big way. And especially it's funny because like the retail stores got really busy and we had to adjust a bunch of different things. We had to go to, you know, we didn't have uh, mechanisms in place for delivery and for online ordering and for curbside pickup. None of that existed. It was just like a store you walked in. So really quickly, we had to get that stuff set up um, and, and we were successful and, and they, they did really well where the service places, obviously, I mean, again, we're at a point where we can't have customers inside. You can only sit outside, but it's January and we're in New York. So it's like <laughs> not great circumstances, <laughs> yeah, like snow and rain and wind and all this crazy stuff. And even, you know, we've got a backyard and there's people setting up on the, on the, on the curbside, you know, and you have coverings and you have outdoor heaters, but still you're. You're outside. Cool. Yeah, it's cold. Cool. So, um, you know, sales have definitely been down there, but all of it was just a great opportunity to learn. And that's just how I looked at it. You know, it's just like, there's a great, you know, martial artist, one of my, one of my uh, heroes, I would say, Henzo Gracie. And he always says, you either win or you learn. Like, that's it. If that's the, the mindset you have going in, you actually don't really lose. You might not win the match. You might not win the day. You might not whatever. But like, as long as you can continue and you took something away from it, it's going to help you the next, the next go round. For me, especially being in the restaurant industry in New York City, like just one of the toughest industries and one of the toughest markets in the world, we were trained for this. You know, it's always just like complete chaos and disorder, which is one of the things I love about it. Like as soon as something is orderly, I'm like bored. I'm like, well, let's go find the next thing. <laughs> I used to think I liked chaos. And it's funny because my martial arts instructor pointed out to me, maybe like a year and a half, two years into my training, that's, that was how we got to know each other. You know, and I said something about it and he goes, you don't like chaos you like order and I'm like what are you talking about and he's like what's your sock drawer look like and I was like it's impeccable and he's like you like to make order out of things after watching me train for so long and talking he's his, a neighboring business as well and so we would talk shop as well he's like you like order as soon as something is orderly you're off to the next thing you chase chaos simply to make order out of it and it was just like my face was like that emoji where the head is exploding out. I was like <gasps> You know, because I was like 40 years old when he said that to me. And I was like, all this time, I thought I was just like a chaotic person. But it's the opposite. Um, and that's the beauty of martial arts is it like it's a reflection of your life and it teaches you things about yourself. You know, it's very honest. But that's um, I was just going to finish with like one of my friends who also trains with me early on in the pandemic. Everything was crazy. Absolutely crazy. I'm talking like March 30th or like April 3rd or something like that. And she had stopped by the restaurant and every conversation was just like, what's happening to the world? What's happening with all, we're in a, a high concentration area with lots of businesses and they were shuttering like left and right. Some people were doing better. Some people were losing out. Some people were just surviving. And she just looked at me at one point and goes, you love this, don't you? And I, was just, <laughs> I do. I do. Like, I've been so excited. My only day off this whole time since Friday, March 13th was Christmas day. Everything wow. was shut down. And I even had to come to the restaurant because the, the, a tree blew down across the street, like just a couple doors down from the restaurant and like a big tree. And I was like, man, I bet that tent like blew away. So I actually had to come and make sure like the tent wasn't mangled or in our neighbor's backyard or laying on top of a car or something like that. But literally like I've had one day off, but that's just how I like it. That's how I roll, man. That's amazing. Um, I think right then and there, you have your first lesson for our viewers and everyone listening and watching is he chases chaos to make it order. 
and he drives from hard work. And a lot of us fear chaos. A lot of us yeah. are scared of chaos because you don't know how to react. And it's more of like, what happens when this occurs? You're not really planned for it. And I feel like this is your bread and butter of adapting to chaos, like of knowing what to do and holding composure. I think you have to have a, a different sense of composure to yeah. be able to do what you're doing and do it successfully. Right. Um, that's amazing. I think it's, that's, it's rare to see that. I will say that. That's, that's been kind of the takeaway. And I didn't, to me, it's normal. So people say to me like, this is crazy. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's, <laughs> normal to me and, and again I think it has to do with like DNA I, I was always in this kind of thought process just like as a kid um and always I got I got into a lot of trouble I was like I got into a lot of trouble as a kid <laughs> like like a felon at 14 and just you know wow yeah yeah you know I know what a jail floor smells like you know stuff like that wow um, look, at but, <laughs> look, look at you I know it's really funny um start them off young man <laughs> yes yes but um, but at the same time, like just taking the opportunities that life offered to embrace that as well. I mean, it's just like another great martial arts saying is so another another great martial arts value that that helps throughout situations like this is uh, practice makes something that was once difficult easy. Just doing it repetitively. The first time it happens, it kind of sucks. And there were plenty of opportunities like that in the pandemic where the government was throwing down this new thing, like, now you can't do this. Now you can't do that. Now you have to do this. Now you have to do that. And every time I was like, man, this sucks. I don't want to do this. But reluctantly, you do it because you don't want to get fined or have your business shut down. And then two weeks later, you're like, eh, that's not so bad. What else can you throw on top of it? <laughs> you know, it's you just kind of get used to getting and in jujitsu, particularly. You know, I'm a little guy, I'm a buck 50, man. You know, and most of the guys I trained with are averaging 200 pounds and, and, you know, just big dudes. And I'm just constantly on the bottom, but I constantly escape. They're just like, guys get frustrated because they can't, they can't hold me down, you know? And I weasel out and then the next thing you know, I'm on their back and I'm on their throat. And they're just like, you wouldn't leave me a minute ago. Like what just <laughs> happened? And, and it's the same, you know, I love being like in this scrappy kind of environment. Um, it really like, it really excites me. Dude, that's, that's amazing. So I think for you, the reason why you've thrived in this is because you've kind of adapted to that. And I think listening to you for the last five minutes, it's not because of you're a business owner. It's really nothing to do with that. It's, it's your sport. It's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's judo. It's, it's the mentality of it. So I've dappled a few not not as much as you, right? Like I was part with Ricardo and that studio. We did oh, a little nice. intro classes yeah, and so yeah. forth. But like, I stopped that after I left high school and you're still doing it. And a lot of this content is on that. So I think that's, that's what we're looking at is we're looking at a man that was basically, he chases chaos to get order. He fights grown men twice his size because that's what he likes to do. <laughs> and but you, if you listen to him and how successful he is with his businesses, he is built from a sport. I'm giving all the credit to judo, right? No, I think absolutely. judo is what, what did it to you. The mentality, the physical strength, the emotion you put yourself through when someone's grabbed your neck and they're like trying to knock you out to make you tap. How do you adapt right then and there? And when we talk about the pandemic in your restaurant industry, you adapt so quickly. You were really quick to respond with the, the curbside pickup and the online delivery and all this stuff. It goes to your sport when someone has you in a chokehold and you have to get out and adapt right then and there or you're going to be passing out 
Wow, I just made a comparison without realizing. This is great. So tell the people, so uh, let's backtrack a little before we get too far ahead of ourselves. I feel like we can continue that route. Um, tell the people about judo. Tell them what it's about yeah. and what it's involved. Cause not, I mean, it's a very under the radar sport. Not many people yeah. know about it. So judo, jujitsu, like they, they kind of diverged at this point. Um, there's Olympic judo, jujitsu, there's sport jujitsu. Um, I kind of don't do either of those. I train, I train under a self-defense system. Uh, so it was much more practical. I've never competed and I have no intention to. Um, <laughs> I, I want to, I mean, that's, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm 44 now and, and joints, as you know, don't heal as quickly as they did when you were, when you were 20. Um, but I also just feel like it's, it's, you know, it's anticlimactic and the whole point of it all. And, and that's what you were just alluding to. So going back to like the beginning of judo in, in, uh, you know, 19th century Japan, Jigoro Kano, who was the, the father of, of modern day judo, he bridged the physical aspect with the mental aspect. The two, both components were necessary for success. You couldn't just be a great judoko in terms of your throws. If you were, if you had great throws, but you were an asshole, you were, you were a subhuman basically, you know? So it was really important to balance your, like you were asking about work-life balance, you know, balance your, your psyche, your mental state, uh, your persona as your training develop. So, so should your, so should your mental state. And that was coming out of, you know, back then, I mean, this was like post, you know, like wartime Japan, it was peacetime Japan, but they were still training in this old style called jujutsu, which was like brutal, like weapons removal and everything. And guys were dying just in training sessions. I mean, it was bad, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we're just sparring today and sorry, we killed a Kiko, <laughs> you know, <it> was <laughs> just accidentally, but he's dead. Sorry, your dad's dead. So Kano was like, all right, we need to like calm that down. We're not in wartime anymore. It's the beginning of the modern era. And he was really big on education as well. So that ended up uh, through Japanese uh, judokus going to Brazil, where this Brazilian, a couple of Brazilian families, but the main one is the Gracies, uh, really adapted it, learned it, adapted it as young men. And they were tiny. I mean, they were smaller than me. And they would beat guys twice their size. And they really made like a whole system out of it. Again, it's not Olympic, but it became competition and sport-based. But there's also self-defense base and application to it. And then lifestyle was 100% part of it. So the person that I trained under, uh, it, he's a Hanser Gracie black belt and his, he's same way. He's like, there's a picture of Jigoro Kano on the wall. And it's like, it's about the mental state. Like it's, he, what would he say? The training is 75% mental, 25% uh, physical, but all you see is the physical, but it's like who you become, you know, what you have to shed, like the, sh the skin you have to shed along the way to become a much better person where you can defend yourself, you can defend your family, you can defend others, but you can also protect yourself mentally from the barrage of just like negativity because the mind is as a negative bias, like naturally, instinctively, you know, it's as humans, it's easy for us to complain and to cry and to, um, and to, and to think, Oh, what was me? You know, especially in the modern era, um, the, you know, the media highlights it, you know, movies, like it's just everywhere. Songs like country music is all about like my dog died. And, you know, it's just like, there's too many opportunities to cry. You got to let that go, man. And, um, and through that constant training, you know, you really get those opportunities. Like you said, when someone's on your neck, it's crazy. Like when I first started, I used to like panic and it would be my friend. Like I knew this guy, we'd slap hands, we'd get into it. And all of a sudden he's on my neck. And it like, for me, it resembled death. I was like, I can't, I can't defend this. I'm dying right now. And so it was really like this push to live like on multiple levels. And it really, man, it gave me my wings. And that's, that's where we're at today.
one word. Wow. That's the second time I've said that with you today. Um, and that's this. And so moral of the story, if you want to survive pandemic, start judo today in case we have another wave of this pandemic. And you should be good to go. You should know how to react. You should to be good to go. <laughs> it's all you need. Uh, fully, it's all you need. It's a little bit of judo, right? But that's that's purely amazing. But I agree with you. I think you said a lot of great things within that 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 whole background of judo and what it instills with. I think what people don't realize is is the mental capability of what your mind can purely do on like mm-hmm. how much you can push yourself mentally in a certain position to instill the next obstacle or like what you have to get yourself in mind, the clarity, right? To get yourself in a clear sense of mind where it's not with all these thoughts and all these images and all this like negativity of like, you can't do this or you can't do that. And I think, like you said, someone's choking you. I can't be focused on anything but living at this point. I need to make sure I get out of this chokehold or I'm going to die. And in the terms of the pandemic in your restaurant and she's like well listen all this influx of things shutting down makes that happen this is that all i can really focus on is the positive outcome and that's what you're teaching these viewers today you're teaching the listeners today is how to be positive in the most negative situations when someone's choking you to death how do you come out of that or if someone's telling you shut your businesses down how do you come out of that and i think you've mm-hmm. done a really great job of that man that's bravo man this is this Thank is you. truly amazing to see um so how long have you been actually doing judo now at this point? How many years? Uh, we're going, it's like five and a half years of okay. like, like solid commitment, like daily training. You know, I dabbled in martial arts when I was younger, like karate in the, in the 80s, because that was like all the craze back then. Um, some yoga and tai chi in the 90s, a little bit of staff work, things like that. Um, cool. And then, you know, then I was just, I was, a, I was a competitive distance runner as a kid. And that was always like my main thing. I, I you know, did uh, anywhere from like one mile to like uh, 10K races and, and won a bunch. Even as like, at like nine years old, I was like winning races, you know, like beating all mm-hmm. the adults and everything. Um, and uh, stopped doing it, you know, competitively, you know, in my teens and just started to get into trouble. And my parents split yeah. up and I lived, my dad was my trainer, my, um, you know, I lived with my mom. So my life kind of like deteriorated a little bit that way. Um, but it was something that I always did. And, and I always stayed physically active. And then, you know, it's funny, like it, when I, once I moved to New York, there's like this whole, you know, park workout, gymnastics, calisthenics based uh, thing happening, you know, and I got roped up into that. So like taught myself to muscle up and started doing levers. And then like, I'm with this group of guys in like Prospect Park in Coney Island and doing like these crazy things. And I've maintained that as well. So I'm all, I was always looking for like a new kind of exotic almost workout. Like my dad's a power lifter. And I was never like into that, you know, I'm just like, eh, I don't care. You know, great. You can bench 350 pounds. That, that doesn't help me at all. Um, so once, once I found like a real great martial arts school, which, which I did, uh, I just went all in and I continued to do the other things as well, but that really took over. And I, you know, I'll say this too, two things, actually one to, to your point about the, the mindset and about small business this is one of my favorite quotes. I think it was Simon Sinek, but I might be mistaken on the person that actually said it, but it's a popular quote. And they said, most business fatalities are a result of suicide, not homicide. Meaning it was, it was the, the owners, the business owners, the, the, the governing body that gave up and that's why the business didn't survive. It wasn't actually like market forces or being undercapitalized or these other things that happen that make it difficult. It's your, it's your fortitude 
because you can weather a lot of storms. You know, you can really weather a lot of storms as a business yeah. owner. It's all, it depends on what you're chasing. You know, one of the things for me, I mean, I had staff that had families that depended on us. And I knew that if we closed, those guys would be out on the street. I went six months, the first six months of the pandemic, I didn't make a dime off my restaurant. I couldn't extract a penny off of my restaurant because if I took any money, it would be taking it away from them or it would put us in a situation where we would close. We just didn't have the money. I have other forms of income and I started to collect money after six months. But again, like I think the month of January, I'm not taking a dime, but it's like, I'm just so committed to that. I don't let, I don't let profit drive me. You know, I'm more focused on like external things, like their livelihoods, like my head chef just had a baby and like, I can't, I can't, I need to take better care of him right now. You know what I'm saying? That's my mentality. So that is kind of what's pushed me through. The other thing is the idea of um, your physical state being just as important as your, as your success. So are you familiar with Fear Sahabi? Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of fascinating to me. And it's funny because between my chef and him, talking about training during Ramadan and then seeing you talk about it on Dom's show. I was like, I got to have you on the show because to me, it's the same. It's just like operating under a pandemic. You guys train once a year, (laughs) you train your body, you train your mind to give up food for a large portion of the day and still go work and still go work out. Like my chefs, both of them, my chef, my head chef, my sous chef are both Muslim and they're making food for people for like 10 hours a day and they can't eat. And I'm like, this is torture. This is yeah. absolute torture. And they just bow their heads and they're like, no, it's okay. And I'm just like, yeah. and then I feel bad because I'll get hungry and I'll be like, man, I'm starving. Can you make me some food? And then I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I didn't mean to say that. I'm just a little hungry. It would be great if you could make me some food. But that to me is, is fascinating. But Ferris Sahabi always says, you know, he was on, he was on like some tech show recently, which is really awesome because the, the host was like looking at his audience. He's like, I know you guys aren't used to me bringing on like professional fighters, but listen to what this guy has to say. Yeah. And he was like, you could be super successful and super smart, but if you've got a dad bod, to me, you're not living your best life. There's something missing. They all need to be in line. You need to be in good physical shape, like a war general. Like those guys don't come out flabby and have the respect of their of their army, you know? Like you have to be tight, you have to be sharp. But also a great way to negate that negative, um, you know, impact of the mind and the world is just getting those endorphins released by some physical activity, even if it's 30 minutes a day. And I love to do it first thing in the morning, like get up, I make a cup of coffees, I, you know, get everything like just situated. Where's everything after the day? Okay, let's go. And I'm either going to the park to hit the bars. I'm either doing kettlebells. Thank you for all those really great kettlebell exercises. I try like one new one a week that I see you Appreciate do. And I'm like, Man. Some of them I got to ask you about because I'm like, I'm not sure I'm doing this right. <laughs> this one's a little questionable, but, um, but my, lately my favorite one's been the snatch from the knees. That's like next, next level snatch, man. You really have to work yeah. on that. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. And then still, you know, I have my own like little mini dojo in my basement right now. So I still, I still train with my guys like four or five days a week. Um, But like, no matter what I make myself every day, no matter how tired I am from running all these businesses. And I mean, the pandemic's been rough because I had to become, I had to become like a, a laborer again, where for like the previous few years I had staff, I was at all the businesses every day, but I literally, there would be days where I did like six 
six martial arts classes because I like I would check in you're good I'd go do a couple classes I'd check in again you guys are good I'd go do a couple classes I'd come back in the evening everybody's good I'd go do a couple classes so I was like nice and ripped you know I was like I could eat anything I wanted at that point you know like never never gain an ounce um but uh but you know really just making sure that I still like get those endorphins released and clear my mind in martial arts I say empty the cup it's just like you just like let it all out. That's why you bow. You're just like symbolizing to the world and to your training partner and to your school and to everybody. Like I'm, I'm letting go of some stuff, some bad stuff so that I can put some good stuff in. And that's like, that's how I, that's how I roll every morning. And just like, it's gotta come out. And then it sets me up for the rest of the day. Like I always, and even if I have a bad night, I know the next day I'm gonna do it again in the morning. And we're going to be good. That's amazing. Um, and I think that the beauty of it is you link it back to, wellness and the w and swift podcast is wellness and for you the wellness aspect of being a business owner being a father um having judo as your your overall approach to life in a sense is why you are what a true definition of wellness should be it's not about the most physically fit person physically right like appearance wise it's going to be the most physically fit person mentally and structure and composure and holding all those senses together yeah nutrition is big yeah exercise is huge all those things play a factor but is that truly the definition of wellness i believe wellness to be what i see in front of me right now is you have a man who knows that i have people relying on me for their livelihood I have kids looking up to me. I have a family to feed, but I also know their families are feed. And the beauty of it is I just had an episode talking about passion and tracing your passion and letting that be the growth. And as business owners, most people really just care about his money. I want money. I want money. I want money. And here you have a man with five successful businesses, if not more that I probably don't know because he just named like a million to me. But at no point did he ever say I wanted to do it because I wanted more money. It was just yeah. his ethics of hard work. It was his ethics of passion of being an entrepreneur. So basically I don't really care about food as much. I just want to be my own boss. That's my truest passion is having the freedom so I can go take my judo classes three times a week or seven times a day. And I can go take care of the kids or I can get up and run for that. And I think that's what brought you to who you are today. So you had the sport that developed you for the wellness realm of being completely well, whole, whole center, but your passion is what took you there. And I think that's the beauty of it all. And I think people don't realize it. And it just clicked with me of now it makes sense of why you do what you do. It all makes sense. I've seen some crazy things on his page. I'm like, what is this guy dancing in the middle of the park for? Like, what the hell is this? Like, why? And I'm like, why are they clapping like that? Why is this guy, what is going on? And I've seen a lot of great content. I'm like, yo, he's getting <laughs> pinned by this 20 year old. He's going to die. They're choking he's him out. Die. Oh wait, he came out alive and that's it, right? So I, it, it all clicks now. And I think that's the beauty of why I, I, I wanted to get you on to talk about your Thank story. You. And initially it was like, I want to talk about the pandemic and you. And I'm like, now nah, we're talking And as, as the conversation flows, it's like, there's more to you, but yeah. overlying, that is the definition of what I believe wellness to be. And your definition would be completely different, right? Your definition would be completely different from mine. Your definition would be on the other side. And I'll hear your definition shortly, but my definition is what I saw. In the mix of chaos, can you hold composure? In the mix of chaos, can I stay focused in the vision? If someone has me in a chokehold, can I get my mental clarity to get out of that? But also, am I physically fit? Am I mentally able to handle the task given to me and pursue that? And if you can do all of that, then you, to me, are physically fit and you are well. And I think that's what being a well-rounded individual are. Yeah, so now, 
Yeah. You you tell me your definition. I know we're gonna have different thoughts on it, but like I think oh, you're the living yeah. of wellness, man. <laughs> I mean, there's like <laughs> there's my definition for me, but I think it differs for what I I advise for most people. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think it's I like I said earlier, I think you have to have some sort of fitness. You have to have some sort of you can never control your body, but you have to have some say in it. You know, you can't be completely hands off. Um, and, I, and I think it's important to chase your passion. I definitely have done that, but I yeah. learned the hard. I mean, it, believe me, I made lots of mistakes along the way, like like almost catastrophic many times. Um, and and often that was a, uh, a result of chasing my passion too much and not balancing it with the hard work. So for me, the physical fitness side is about the dedication to work and the focus and the repetition because yeah. that paramounts everything. Like you could have the biggest passion in the world. Like when I was in music school, man, I wasn't the most talented guy. I had talent, but there were guys that would come in that were just like phenomenally talented at a super young age. and you know, the, the big instructors wouldn't be impressed by them. And I'm like, yeah, they're great now, but will they be great in 20 years? Are they going to peter out? And oftentimes they would. We're like the guy that just keeps hammering the tree, you know, five times a day, eventually the tree's going to come down, you know? So I think the hard work component is a big, uh, a big, uh, one of the bigger component, one of the bigger factors in like your success, you should, it should be balanced with passion. So wellness to me is like those two juxtapositions, like the guy that's just out there laboring, like, blindly like not thinking about what um what his goals his long-term goals are or where his heart is like literally just hammering for the sake of hammering to get better at hammering so that he can hammer again tomorrow you know but that will support whatever his passion is um and you know i think most people should they should understand their boundaries and and there's a couple different ways to do that uh you know one you know, classic martial arts uh, value is if you want to find the middle, you have to understand where the extremes are. Now, certain people are better at handling the extremes. So know yourself, you know, really know yourself. And when you're like super duper uncomfortable, you know, Fierce Sahabi talks about the flow state too. He talked about it on Rogan's podcast where like when you're in the state where you feel just enough pressure that you're not overwhelmed, but you're also not complacent, that's like the sweet spot. So if you're under too much pressure where you cannot operate and it's obvious to you and everybody else, like you need to back it off. And if you're just too complacent, if you're just sitting on the couch eating chips and you got like crumbs going down your belly, you need to get up and you need to move a little bit. So everybody has to find that spot for them. Now, for me, I think the goalposts are a little bit wider apart than they are for like, you know, your, your average, your average uh, Joe, you know, but you have to understand that. So you have to test those boundaries, you know, like I'm not, I'm not always safe. <laughs> I'll be the yeah. first to admit that. I mean, I'm, I'm like historically unsafe and I had to learn to rein it in a little bit. Um, but you have to be able to take some chances, uh, but really understand yourself. Like listen to your, listen to the inner voice, you know, don't play into fear too much, but like understand where it's coming from and kind of analyze that. I think it's a big part of the balance. I mean, you need to be afraid. Like fear is what keeps us going. You know, fear is what fuels yeah. our intuition. Um, and that's what survived us for a long time. You know, you hear guys are like, talk, like pro fighters are like, I'm not afraid, like bullshit. You're afraid, <laughs> you're afraid. You know, I get nervous every time I get a tattoo, but I still go back and get more, you know, it that's sucks. Funny. But like, I still go and do it. And at the end, I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, I'm not trying to go in the cage and get all bashed yeah. up, but, but yeah.
That's awesome. Um, and with that, folks, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to bring Jeremiah back and put him on the spot for you. And he has no idea what he's expected. But I will leave before we end this break of just the, the lesson he just taught you about life and, and his story of his definition of wellness. And where most of us are finding ourselves during this time is complacency. So if you're still where you are a year ago or two years ago, get up, get going, get moving. And we're not saying go do exercise or do whatever. In any goal you have, once you're complacent with your thought process and your, your vision process and your planning process, it's not going anywhere. So make sure you are aware of that scenario. And with that, we'll be right back with you. So we're back with another episode of Swift Podcast, and Jeremiah has just been a, a wealth of knowledge, inspiration, and much more. True definition of hard work, um, true definition of what we would call the hustle and grind, but chasing your passion, and just not being complacent in life and just chasing everything. Um, and I just told him on the break that I call him the king of chaos. And with that, I'm gonna transition him to giving us three pieces of advice for all of those as we get into the pandemic and the chaos in our life, forget the pandemic, just chaos in general, like, oh, I got all this tomorrow. What do I do? Tell them your three pieces of advice when chaos hits, how to keep composure, because you held it really well. Like I said, wow, like six times during the episode already. So lay it on us. What's, what's the secret, man? Number one, breathe. Breathing is so underrated. It's, we need it to live. You literally need it to live. You should practice it and you should get really good at it. Nose breathing over mouth breathing. Uh, heavy mouth breathing, breathing elicits a stress response in the body. Deep breathing through the nose, practice square breathing. I think we've talked about this before. Four second inhale, four second hold at the top, four second exhale, four second hold at the bottom. If you do that three times, just three cycles through that, you release endorphins in your mind and your body akin to heroin, okay? Uh, military snipers use it. I've never done heroin, but that's what I've read. <laughs> done a bunch of other stuff, but not heroin. Um, I have done opiates, but that's another, that's another podcast. <laughs> second, second, do drugs. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, good. We're still number one. Um, like military snipers use that breathing technique when they're about to yeah. like, make the shot like because it's crazy you're you can't miss if you miss you know you alert everybody to your uh, existence and you miss the target like all those things so they like it's a it's a big big factor and i use it all the time in jujitsu it's constantly stressed yeah. in martial arts like breathe you know you exhale when you strike you inhale when you retract like it's all a big uh component of it two is don't give up just because things are hard it's no reason to give up like sure it sucks but you just have to push through. There's this saying in the martial arts that I hear in a business a lot too, especially in entrepreneurship, get comfortable being uncomfortable, just like, which well leads said. to number three. And that's practice. Put yourself again, I, as I said before, you know, everybody has a different threshold, but you'll figure that out by practicing, like put yourself in uncomfortable situations. If you can do it through a martial art, do it through a martial art. If you can do yoga, do it with yoga. If you want to do distance running, if you want to try swimming, if, you, if you're not a good swimmer, excuse me, throw yourself in the water and work it out. Not deep waters, but figure <laughs> it out. You know, like put yourself under some pressure situations, get a little outside of your comfort zone and that will better equip you. The more you do that, like there was a point where I was training 20 hours a week, you know, and it was, it was just a constant beat down to where nothing phased me anymore. I just like, literally I would come out, I'd walk into the restaurant or I'd walk into the wine store or walk into my household where there's three kids and a pissed off wife and everything's flying. 
and I'm just like cool as a cucumber. And people were like, how? And I'm like, I just had a 280 pound guy on top of me and I got out, <laughs> you know, like I practiced, awesome. I practiced and like, that was much harder. The more you do it, the easier all these things get and you get used to getting bumped around. I mean, I think as a, you know, Ferris Sahabi said it on that, that most recent show too, like the generations are getting softer. You have to practice your toughness. You have to really like practice it these days where 200 years ago, it was just, it was inherent. You were going to get it unless you were like a, a prince or something. Everybody else, they had it tough. You know, I'm talking like no toilets and like, you know, real tough, like things we don't know anything about. You have to practice oh, that stuff, man. You know, uh, I'm not saying like, you know, go live in the woods yet, but maybe, maybe try yeah. like whatever, whatever works for you. If you need to go in the wilderness and learn to hunt and learn, you know, learn to cook, learn to actually cook, things like that. You know, it's not easy, but put, put yourself in these compromising situations, but in controlled environments, that yeah. give you the opportunity to practice your breathing and practice not giving up uh, so that so that when the, the real pinch comes, and I think that's why I was prepared for this. Like when it just started, I was just like, there was like one afternoon where I kind of freaked out a little bit. And I was like, okay, we're done. Carry yeah. on. And it's just been like golden ever since. You know, and I have bad days, but I just never, ever get up, give up. I never, ever let it. Like when people are like, oh my God, Jeremiah's getting negative. It must be really bad. <laughs> Cause like, I'm always like the last person to fold. And then there's sometimes where I'm just like, man, I'm going home. And then, but I get up the next day, sun is shining. I'm still alive. Got every, my fingers and toes. I make that coffee and I get at it. That's awesome, man. And those are great, 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 great piece of advice. And recap the show. Um, you have a, true definition of hard work and wellness um, and the moral of this story and why I do what I do is to share stories of people in my life. I met Jeremiah through Dom and on his podcast and I've just been watching him for the last couple of months and I'm just seeing what he's putting out there and I'm not talking about to get him famous. I don't care about his how famous he gets and I don't care about how famous I get but what I what I admire and respect about it is young guys like myself look up to this man saying he's got five businesses. He's doing this. He's doing that but in the mix of chaos he never gave up and he never lost hope where that's what's going to transition to my final thoughts is in the mix of chaos is keeping hope alive and keeping your faith alive and knowing that what you've pursued thus far in life is going. You might not see the light at the end of the tunnel. You might forget where the light exists. You might forget. You might be off track. You might go off a certain aspect. And he's mentioned he's done it. You might be in this poor position mentally, but bringing it back in together, bringing it back on that same road and getting it back on path is the beauty of life. And it's the beauty of the journey of no matter what realm you're in. If you're a restaurant owner, if you're a physical therapist, strength coach, trainer, entrepreneur, business CEO, whatever, it's going to happen. We're all going to hit chaos in every industry known to man. But it's how do you come back from it? I think he's shown his lessons through judo, his sport, his art. Um, he's a musician by drummer, but his true art, I believe, is judo. I think that's where his true sense of whole became. And for those of you who don't know much about it, he's given you some history, but I think that history is just bare minimum what you can dab into. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the biggest lesson you can get from is, is a true definition of being well and why the Swift podcast exists, why wellness exists in my Swift podcast is because I want to show you examples of wellness where mentally, physically, emotionally, it's all there. And the mix of having five businesses that might shut down by the end of the year, 
holding composure is a key component, not being complacent, but adapting to what's facing in front of you. I think that's the biggest lesson he can always teach us through his story. And I thank you for sharing that. Some of the stuff you shared is a very personal thing. Like not many people will put it out there, but yeah. you're doing it to inspire people, which I truly respect about that. And I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we did. Um, you will see this man again. So Jeremiah, thank you for your time <laughs> on this Sunday afternoon. I know you're a busy man. And it was a pleasure, man. I, I really do thank yeah. you for coming on today. My pleasure too, man. I always enjoy this kind of stuff. And great, great work, man. Really impressive. Thank you. I appreciate it. Until next time, folks, we'll see you with another episode. Tune in next time. Bye-bye.